Welcome to the Avance Podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Nick. I did our intro that time. No music. Congratulations. Yes. It is sort of a mom- monumental, monumentous? Yeah. Monumental. Okay. Uh, occasion. Uh, we are back at uh, Collector Car Garage in Redmond, Washington. It's been I, I, two years? Two years, I think, two since years we recorded since we've here. Been here. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're under, under different management, under a different name, uh, <laughs> as usual. So uh, we're back here with the Advanced Podcast. Thank you to Collector Car Garage. Um, this is the first of what we hope to do many of these here at Collector Car Garage, and uh, this is just a great start to it. Yeah, and on this one, um, man, yeah, I miss this view, man. It never gets old. Ever. It's been... That's I've, why been, I always sit over here. I remember when we got here and there was no concrete on the ground, and then they started slowly rolling cars in here, and it just got better and better. So I'm excited to see Collector Car Garage take this over, turn it into a space that everybody wants to be at again. It's, uh, it's pretty sweet. Yeah. Uh, we have three guests this week, which means we have four headsets and four mics, so that'll be fun. Um, yep. We're going to introduce them, and they are going to talk about their experiences on the Nürburgring, uh, the Green Hell... Started way back in, I think, 1925, Six. and they finished it over two years as a labor project after World War One to restore economy, and then it raced for a while, uh, and then nothing happened between the 30s and mid-40s, lost to history, who knows what happened there, but it came back after that, and it turned into, as Jackie Stewart called it famously, the green hell. So you're saying if the economy's bad, we just build more racetracks and we're exactly. fine. Exactly, that's Done. what I took away from it, too. Okay, good. Uh, so let's hope we get more in the Pacific Northwest Absolutely. where there's lots of racing in the rain. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, our guests this week, we have three of them. Um, we'll get to, well, two of them are going to introduce themselves, but they will all have a chance to speak. So why don't you start, middle, introduce yourself and why you should be here. <laughs> why you should be here. Uh, my name is Tom Roberts. Um, thank you, everybody, for coming. Uh, I get to talk about my favorite subject now. So um, the reason... This happened is I saw online that people are asking what it's like to prepare for the ring um, on Facebook. And I said, well, shoot, I know how to do that. I need to come out here and uh, present this to you guys. Um, The Nürburgring obviously is a daunting place and it has a justifiable reputation of being a dangerous place. The unfortunate thing is most of the videos that you see online are of a very specific spot called Brunchen, and people just literally sit there all day to get videos of people stuffing it in the wall. <laughs> so the, the reputation of the Nürburgring is that you're going to go there and crash, which I dispute. It is doable. You have to approach it with the right perspective. Um, the Nurburgring has, depending on how you count the corners, 150 corners, and of those, 80% are blind corners. So you don't know what's around the corner unless you've prepped for it. Most of you probably know who Ross Bentley is. Ross Bentley has Speed Secrets, the company. He and I have been taking groups over there, I think, for about seven years now, and consistently. We, we prep people here with various uh, material from uh, sim work to uh, ebook that I've created. And what we find is that the people that have the best time are two things. People that prepare properly, and I think Aaron's going to go into the preparation that he did for our, one of our trips. But the biggest thing is what attitude do you approach this track with? The what we find the people that have the best time there are the people that approach it with an open mind and who come to learn. Oftentimes we get people who will do maybe a couple hundred laps on the sim 
and think that they know the track. Sims are really good now. They're incredible. I, anytime I go to a new track to race, I'm preparing right now for Portimao. And if I didn't have a sim, I'd be in trouble for the tr to learn this track. Um, but they're not perfect. And the Nürburgring, what you don't get on the Nürburgring is the verticality of this track. Um, people get there, they've done a lot of time on the sim, maybe 200 laps. And they come back in after their first stint out there and they're, they're kind of in this state of shock because it is so vertical. Um, having said that, again, it is just a track. And there are a lot of people in this room and probably listening to this podcast who have a lot of track experience. If you can drive the racetrack down in Kent, you can drive the Nürburgring. You just have to prepare properly for it. So it's one of my obsessions. I've been going here since 07. I have about 800 laps at the track. I'm now racing with uh, a company called uh, Black Falcon. And racing, if there's anybody that wants to race here, that's a whole nother level. Um, but again, I went over there. I did a little bit of sim work, and I've just built into it. And if I can do it, anybody can do it. So, so talk to us a little bit about the fact that also, I mean, the track is open to the public for a fee, correct? There's two ways you can drive on the Nürburgring. One way is uh, to do track days, which is what I do now. And that's what we do with the group when Ross and I take groups over. But the track is open a lot in what's called tourist and farting. So we don't call it tourist and farting because everybody laughs. So we call it TF. And literally, almost every evening from about 4.30 to 7.30, depending on the time of the year, the track is open to anybody with a street legal car. And you just go through a gate, drive out on the track for about 32 euros, and you get a lap of the Nürburgring. That's the stuff you see online. Very little racing, very little track day do you actually see online. Any car is out, allowed out there. I've seen buses I've seen vans. I've seen people holding little little uh, fritz out the window going, look at the, the fun cars going by. It's a bit of a circus. Having said that, it's still good. I mean, you can still learn to drive. Most of the early laps I did were, was during TF. The other way you can do it is during uh, dedicated track days. And there are groups, English groups, German groups that rent the track for uh, a couple days and open it up. And you just have to be in the right place at the right time to sign up for those. And those are epic. The upside of a track day is the entire track is open. If you're doing TF, the front straight is closed. You come in, you go through a turnstile, you go back out again. So you don't get to go down through one of the most hair-raising corners called the Tiergarten compression. And that will get your attention. With a track day, you get the whole thing. Now, I've heard that on the ring uh, during that open time that the, the drivers can be held liable and for damages to the track because at that time it's considered a road, correct? It's considered a toll road. Yeah, <laughs> and so if you decide to rent a fancy car for the day, that can go really wrong, especially if you are proven to be negligent while driving a car on a public road and you wreck it. Yeah. So None of us have ever done that, Dan. Never. So, no. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> handles like a yeah. rental. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, TF is a, I mean, it is a bit of a circus. I mean, motorcycles are often allowed out there, which is just surreal. But if you crash into a guardrail and take the guardrail out, you pay for every meter of that guardrail. And the guardrails are three high, and, you know, obviously you take a piece out. It's not usually just one little section. If something serious happens, they shut the track down, the police show up. If somebody's injured or killed, 
and it happens, they shut the track down for a fairly good period of time. And it is an investigation, and you are considered liable just like you are on the road. So again, you have to approach this, you know, it, you're not trying to prove something, not trying to get that. Even on TF days, you can do a, a bridge to gantry time because the whole track isn't open. You can still do this time and people go out there to try to prove that they're hotshot drivers and get into trouble. So, you know, again, approached with the right attitude, the Nürburgring is epic. Um, approached with the wrong attitude, and we've had people even on our group that have damaged cars, and it's not fun. You don't want to do that. So, Excellent. Why don't we have you go ahead and introduce yourself and, and why the heck you're here, too? Why am I here? <laughs> uh, my name is Aaron Kirsten. Uh, so Tom actually lives right across the street from me. So uh, track driving is relatively new to me. I started in 2020. Relatively new to track driving, but as soon as I got into it, I was immediately hooked. And actually, Curtis has been my, my instructor a few times at uh, Pacific Raceways. My background is actually in racing mountain bikes. So I was doing downhill racing and all of that. Um, but I always wanted to be out on the track in a car. Finally, was able to make it happen. Strong influence over here. Tom definitely was like, hey, you should get out there. You should get out there. You should get out there. Finally did it. And uh, yeah, absolutely loved it. So got pretty comfy with the local tracks. Things escalated very quickly. You know, I rented one of the Subarus uh, at Pacific. I then bought a BMW M3. Had that six months, and I finally got a GT3. So it was it was like very quick, went all in. You know there are steps in between that, right? I blew it. <laughs> I blew it. Like, I, I, was like, well, I don't blame you, but wow. It's my fault. <laughs> it's this guy's fault. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's my fault. Good you, influence. You, you said he's like, man, you know, you're just going to keep throwing money at that Beamer. It's just not like a Porsche. I'm like, shut up, dude. I don't want to hear that. And then finally, he let me take his out at the Ridge down in uh, Shelton. And yeah, it was it was like okay, yeah, I get it. He so sold the, you the crack. I get it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. He's like, yeah, exactly. first one's free. Yeah, I get, well, get I have a sprinkle it. when you can have a bag. That's exactly yeah, okay. it. Yeah. So then I went straight <laughs> to the bag uh, okay. and, and dove in head first. So got very into it, loved it, and started you know traveling around California and doing more of the tracks there. So you know Button Willow, Sonoma, Laguna Seca, Thunder Hill, and really just became obsessed. You know, I was doing like I don't know thirty plus track days a year. Uh, Tom told me about this trip. It was something I really wanted to do. Bucket list set of tracks, right? So the, the, the trip was set up where we did two and a half at Nürburgring and then the rest, uh, another day at Spa. You know, I'm watching this on TV and uh, watching F1 and yeah, I mean, how, how, do you, how do you turn that down? So was able to make it work and fortunately I had Tom across the street saying, hey, you really need to prep for this thing. You don't just show up, you know, because typically what I do is I'll watch some YouTube videos, I'll look at the track map and try to get familiar with the track before I get there. Um, and that's about it. And I show up and you can make it work. But, you know, most of our tracks are like, what, three miles long? Two and a half, Two and a half miles long. So there's, there's, you know, 10, 11, 12 corners. Uh, you can make that work. But once we got there, um, it was a completely different deal. So I, I don't remember what the kind of prescribed amount of sim driving was, but it, I needed to get quite a bit, you know, it was a, a few hours per week. Um, and fortunately, I listened because I was able to get the track generally down um the thing with the sim though is like you crash you restart and then you do the same first section and you end up doing that like 200 times and then maybe you've done the last part like twice right <laughs> so like you're not really not really very familiar with the track by the time uh you get done with it but just even that you know by the time i showed up i was you know you go out with an instructor and i knew the first part very well and i kind of had split the track into thirds in my head make it a little bit more palatable and um, a lot of the track was totally unfamiliar. I'm going and I'm like, I don't, I don't know where I am. I'm getting confused. 
Um, and that was a massive, like, eye-opening moment of just, like, this is unlike anything I've done. I don't I'm remember scared. this. Yeah. I don't get what's going on right now. This is, this is a, a truly, like, I, I really had to kind of sit, like, in my little rental car and just kind of think, like, oh, boy, this is a totally different challenge than I was expecting, which really made it unique. But um, it, it's, um, it's a wild trek. I, I, it's hard to explain in a lot of ways. It's narrow. It's fast. It's both smooth as well as very bumpy, and the car gets unsettled. Um, and the biggest thing is there's no margin for error. Like if you are, if you make one mistake, well, we don't have a, a photo of it. There's no runoff. Like it's just walls everywhere. I mean, you see them at all times and you're very close to them. So you can tell how fast you're going. So, um, it was really just an all encompassing, uh, experience, but really that, that, that prep up front was, was what made the difference. Excellent. Before yeah. we get to Curtis, who's been on the show before, which is why we're making him wait. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to ask uh, both he of you. He knows better. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> both of you. What car did you drive when you were there? What, what did you rent? I was very spoiled. So I had the same car I have here. So I had a 991 uh, oh, perfect. G- GT3. Yeah. Great. So sometimes familiar with. Yeah. But it was honestly way too much car for my first time. Yeah. I was like gonna- that track, I did, uh, you don't need to go fast. Like it's, cr- it's very different in that way. It's almost like driving a country road that you don't know. And everything's blind. And we'll, we'll get into the kind of the nuances of it that are very different than the tracks here. Um, the most fun we had, it was Tom's birthday the first day. And we went out on, at the end of the t- uh, a TF day, and we all got into uh, Renault Clios. Is that what they are? Yep. Tiny little economy cars. And it, we had so much had fun because it was like go-karts. And <laughs> not knowing the track super well, like you can keep the car pinned and make little mistakes, but it's just not a big deal. Honestly, if I were to go back, I would do that. Um, having a car like the GT3 for me, first time there. Um, I made it work. Obviously, it was fun, but it was way too much car. Oh, good to know. Uh, yeah. t- Tom, how many times have you driven the ring? I have eight, about 800 laps, something like that. <laughs> so I've been going since 07. Wow. So, yeah, a couple okay. laps. That's more than I ever thought. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so you've driven a lot of different cars on the track. Yeah, uh, a lot of different cars. I started off, I think it was a 996, 911 back in 07. Rough. Um, but yeah, I mean, it probably, yeah, it was, it was an interesting car. Um, this is a, uh, something I don't really tell people, but I had a 996 GT3 RS once that I went backwards at the ring. Um, I managed to get it going forward again, but yeah, so it's, it's like Aaron said, I think it's, we're right in the middle of putting a group together right now. And people are talking to me about what car to rent. And I said, there are some great Hyundais. Caymans are a perfect first car. They're balanced. They don't have too much power. You're going to wa- either waste money getting a GT3, some high-powered car, or you're going to try to overdrive the track before you're ready. So, you know, it's like to, to, to think of the first time there, it's like the, the Hyundais, the, the uh, Golf R's, great cars for the first time. Yep. A friend- and cheaper. Yeah, a friend of mine was just over there a couple of years ago, and he drives track a lot here, Garov, you know, I'm sure. And uh, he r- rented an M2, and he's, he, he over there came back and said, that was actually too much car for me. This is a guy who tracks a, you know, a Corvette Grand Sport, a pretty nice one, too. And he was like, that's way too much car for me for the Nürburgring. He had a yep. blast, I mean, but he was you like, know, I couldn't believe it. As long as you're disciplined enough <laughs> yeah. to get in the car and not push on the right pedal yeah. too much, you're okay, but the temptation is there. And, you know, the thing about the Nürburgring is it's really fast. Most corners, Aaron and I were just talking about this. Most corners, you just tap the brake, go down a gear, and you go through the corner. Except where you don't. (laughs) 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 And there are a couple corners. There's one famous one, Adnan Forest, which will end up on YouTube a lot, 
where you go, you go through a, a corner called Schwedenkreuz, which is incredibly fast. You make a hard right, and then you go downhill steeply through these th- kind of S's and hit a corner called the Foxhole. It's a compression. In the car that you were seeing on this video, the GT3 RS, it's somewhere around 140 miles an hour in a compression, and then you immediately come up and have to climb on the brakes because you end up in a second gear corner. And if you don't know that's coming, you will end up in the wall. And there's countless videos showing exactly that. It's a wicked place to crash. So why do that to yourself? You know, it's like start with an easy car that you can just throw around and have fun with. And if you do stuff it in the wall, it's a lot cheaper. But don't do that. Just build into it that way. And don't, don't lead with your ego. That's the best thing to, to, about the Nürburgring to approach it is leave your ego here. Go over there and, and have fun, but, but be open and learn. But don't try to prove anything the first couple of times because you won't know the track. I mean, I've got, like I said, 800 laps. I learn something new every time I go around that track. That's great advice for anybody going to their first track day, yeah, Nurburgring or not. They check your ego at the door because yeah. you're not as fast as you think you are. Right. The yep, wall's right. a lot harder than you think yep. it is. Yep. Um, now that you've had so much time on the track, do you have a favorite car or a favorite memory from the ring over there? Well, I mean, we've been watching the RS, yeah, the GT3 hard, RS. Hard that's a that. that's a 991.1 GT3 RS. That's my favorite car. The newer ones have just gotten easier and easier to drive really fast, but you don't have to, that car you have to work at a little bit. And yeah. So yeah, that's my favorite car. Well, should we talk to Curtis? No. He's like, no, <laughs> <laughs> I've been here before. He's a professional. He doesn't need any prep before going to the ring, right? I mean, you know everything, you, right? You're good. Uh, no, that's no. not true. <laughs> oh, okay. That's not true at all. Curtis okay. Krieger, welcome back. Thank you. Good to have you. Yes, good to be here. Um, Tell us about that prep a little bit and the fact of, you know, you teach others how to race cars. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm in the very beginning stages of the prep. This is, for me, this is, it's mental of getting over the fact that my wife decided that, hey, we're going to be in the UK. Why don't we just go to Germany so you can drive the Nürburgring? And I'm like, who are you? Like, what did you just say? If, if you say so. <laughs> That's basically I'm what it was. I'm doing this and so, for you. Yeah. So part of me is still sort of filing this idea that now I've got, we've got flights over there. I've rented a car through um, uh, RSR. And it's this realization I'm going to go do something that has been on my driving bucket list for as long as I had a driver's license. So for me right now, it's uh, watching some videos and some information that Tom has been generous to give me. And I'll be spending a lot of sim time. So uh, I've, I've got a couple of friends who are willing to let me use the sim and I'll be moving in temporarily to uh, to their spare bedrooms and driving. And, you know, given the driving background, a little bit of racing background, the coaching background, um, I I'm as green as it gets going to this racetrack. It doesn't matter that I've spent the last 20-something years driving cars at Pacific Raceways. Um, Nürburgring requires a very different level of respect uh, than many tracks here in the U.S. Don't get me wrong. You could go to Watkins Glen and have just a horrible time as you could spending all the money to go to Europe and drive in any track over there. So... uh, First and foremost, respect and, and putting your ego in your back pocket and sitting on it and letting it sit there is uh, equally as important. So for me, uh, again, study, videos, uh, sim time, um, learning corner names. There's, there's something about uh, understanding the layout of a track that's kind of vital. I think Aaron can kind of contest, contest that as well. I mean, as you heard from him, he just went from coming to the racetrack 
and then all of a sudden jettisoning himself into buying a <laughs> GT3 and doing 30 track days a year. Um, he's had to, you know, basically consume from a fire hose. Um, obviously a professional in his own right and understands how to prep for things, but that's a, there's a lot of energy that goes into getting yourself ready to drive a racetrack for the very first time. Um, and Tom and I have talked on the phone and just here tonight, and, and, and it's reinforcing this idea is, yeah, I could spend $6,000 and drive a brand-new GT3 RS, a brand-spanking-new car, the new, new one that everyone's clamoring for. Uh, but it's far better for me to spend 800 euros on uh, a Hyundai i30N and actually be able to drive um, and kind of take things in as they come because those other cars, they're just so powerful. They're so on the ragged edge as it is. And, and um, with a track that's fairly narrow, I don't want to take... Uh, I don't want to lose essentially something around the a realm of, of about thirty to forty thousand dollars of my money if something were to happen. So what, that's what, on the cheap side. What type of, of, of racing or driving are you planning on doing there? Are you going to do the, the, the tourist thing? Or are you going to do an actual race? What, what, are, you, what are your thoughts? So um, if if you were to go to the website now for the racetrack, you'll see a massive calendar of information, and there's all these abbreviations and everything else. So the TF days which Tom talked about, is what I'm going to be doing. And so the TF day, basically you show up about 45 minutes before your track time starts, in particular with RSR. They, they ask you that to get there so they can run you through the car and anything else that they need to tell you about. And, and then your time starts from 5 o'clock until 7.30. Keep in mind, uh, there is zero guarantee that I'm going to turn one full lap. I will have spent whatever money to fly over there, to rent a car, to stay in a hotel, and to spend the money for six or ten laps, but there is zero guarantee that, I've, that I'm going to get a lap in because something could happen. And so that's another part of this that you need to kind of realize, too, is that uh, there's just there's no guarantee. Somebody else could screw up and then Some, ruin your day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So ultimately, then uh, from there, the process is once they get you kind of tidied up, they take you down to the track. And uh, I have requested that I have a coach uh, in the car with me. Um, and because I don't know the track and I would much rather have somebody to tell me to go light on the brakes or turn in now or do whatever needs to be done to get the car set up coming into a braking zone or exiting a corner. Um, and so once uh, we've done those two or three laps with each other, I'm that coach will exit the car and it'll be on me to hopefully uh, get a chance just to drive the track. It's, it, it's not about, it's not about, putting in a hot lap. It's not about trying to do something unusual in a car that's never been done before. Um, I want to successfully drive the track uh, by myself and turn the car back over with everything still attached to it. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's the other part. And then the special part for me is, um, so my wife knows that she's going to get a taxi, a ring taxi ride. So I'm trying to arrange that in an AMG GTR, which is, you know, why not pick the fastest, <laughs> yeah. wildest car? It, it was car. her idea, so it, she yeah, should exa- get that. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and then my son, who's in the audience, Karak, you can, you can raise your <laughs> hand. Um, he's also going, so he'll get a taxi ride. But this is audience participation for just a moment. I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you think he should drive the racetrack as a 19-year-old? Say yes or no. All right. So... So this, so you know, as a, I'm still undecided, but okay. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. So I want him, to, I want him to earn it. So do you agree that he should earn the opportunity? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah, okay. Good. Yeah. Good. Uh, Slave it would, labor. It would yeah. anything. Yeah. I don't. It doesn't matter to me what it is. But it would be really special to have the three of us there to go have that experience. Yeah. You know, I've been meaning to. This might be a better question for you, Tom. But, um, 
with any track day, you're worried about tire attempts and brake, brake fluid attempts, things like that, your suspension. On a track that long, is that factor just amplified massively? Because I would, I would be afraid that I'd just be boiling my fluid left and right with something that long. So, you know, I've got the shirt on. This is the shirt of our trip that Ross and I and, and a guy named Ron Simon put together. Ron Simon, so RSR Nurberg um, is the guy that I rent from and have for since 2009. He's not paying me anything for this. Um, he's a friend, but he, he does not pay me. I would not rent from anyone else. Now, pe- some people, I think, talked about Apex. Apex is okay, very limited cars, and now they're closing down. RSR is the place to go because you can learn, you can rent anything from a Clio to a Ferrari Challenge Cup if you want to spend that kind of money. Um, their cars are prepped for the Nurburgring. I would not take my car on the Nurburgring. Mm. Because it beats the hell out of that car. There's a reason they use the Nurburgring. So the Nurburgring is basically used as a test track for every major, like virtually all the newer cars sitting out here have been tested at the Nurburgring. That's where they start because it's so hard to have a car hold up. If a car holds up on the Nurburgring, it'll hold up anywhere. So, yeah, it just beats the bananas out of a car. You just don't, you know, people say, oh, I'm going to buy a car in Stuttgart and drive it up to the Nurburgring. Well, fine, do two laps and then go rent a car because you won't have a car when you get done. So I hope you know a good PPF installer yeah. in Germany. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> That's a mess tech over exactly. there. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Nobody, nobody so. just buys a GT3 RS and just upgrades like that. <laughs> I'm a little. No, I'm a little. Do you have GT, an RS GT, on order? I do have to ask. Do you have an RS on order? No. So the, the one thing about the the car preps, like usually, I'll do two laps, get the tires warm here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get them warm, and then I, I'm very much a stickler for tire pressures. But mm-hmm. there, what is it, one lap, thirteen miles? Yeah. So you're kind of locked in, and you're not pulling over to the side. So that that was a big adjustment. But the the RSR team, though, you go into the pits, and they burp the tires for you, which is nice. Yeah. That was a big adjustment for me is like the tires do get warm. You start to lose some traction. You got to kind of calm it down, but you're locked in. Like there's no turning around. You can't just bail out. You know, it's just, you're, you're in. Um, so that, that was an adjustment, but the fluids and stuff, I mean, I, again, I was spoiled. The car's fine. Like the, the, Good. no, no fluids overheating. I mean, um, it's their business. These cars have to be do. prepped so that they don't yeah. stop because they're, they're paid by the number of laps that car does. So they want it to keep going. So, you know, they've got so much experience doing this. And the, the beauty of RSR as well is they also have a facility at Spa, a phenomenal facility. I mean, it's, it's just beautiful. The Ferrari, um, not Ferrari, Mercedes F1 team rents it during the race. So you can go from there to Spa and continue to run with RSR. So the people in our group take their car that they've rented, they drive it to Spa, which is a really awesome fun drive. drive. And then they get to spawn. There's a, there's a whole other event that goes on, and he has the support there. So, you know, I'm I'm very biased against uh, with using RSR. There are other companies. I can't tell you a thing about them, but there are other companies. So, yeah. Well, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like exactly. Can, can you talk about like during during the the tourist drives? There's a lot of courtesy as far as obviously we all watch the videos and things like that as far as. You know, you've got somebody out there in a car they shouldn't be driving. And I mean, is it is it there is it they're knowing that they need to pull over for you if you're coming up behind them? You're shaking your head no. Okay. It's so no, not a lot I of mean, if you, it's sketchy. It's, okay. It's yeah. sketchy. I mean, yeah. if you want to survive the Nurburgring, you pass people judiciously. That's my favorite word mm. to use. You have to assume A, they don't know what they're doing, B, they don't see you. If you approach them that way, you're gonna be okay. 
if you come up and go start getting angry and get all road ragey and try to get by them at the wrong point, you're going to have trouble. So you're saying it's, it's just like, like driving here. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. It's like driving on I-5. Yeah. So, you know, again, that's why I'm saying attitude. Don't go over there trying to prove anything. Don't go over there trying to set a, a lap time. I, you know, do not take a lap timer out with you <laughs> is the recommendation because you are not going to be the best person out there. I guarantee it. You know, Kevin Estria has a couple more laps than the rest of us. He is probably going to set the lap time. Not me, not you. So approach it with that way, and, and you'll be fine. There's a lot cheaper yeah. ways to be disappointed in yourself. Yeah. 100%. 100%. <laughs> and you got to take your hand off the wheel to start the timer. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nope. yeah. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, I'd say one thing definitely do prep is to go see, go to your local tracks. I, I mean, I, yes, you could go to the Nürburgring to start, like you said. You're going to be a lot slower. You're probably pretty uncomfortable, to say the very least, if you've had no track time, I would imagine. I can't For imagine. Sure. I mean, like, I'm going to go do some track days at the Nürburgring. Why not? Yeah. At least it's not the original 26 miles or whatever it was. <laughs> which I can't even imagine. Now. I mean, you can do it. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's like the way Curtis is approaching it, having a, an instructor with him. You know, we recommend that people go out for the entire day with an instructor. And he has a ton of experience. He's going to prep. I know he is because I know what, how, what kind of guy he is. So he'll probably be fine after three or four laps. I had an instructor for two days the first time I went. And um, sometimes I'd go out with him toward the end of the second day, sometimes not. And it's kind of fun to try that, but he was always on call. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, TF is different. TF is, you just have to go in with a little bit because people don't necessarily have any experience. You know, the, the group that I take over there, I require them to have at least an intermediate level of experience because otherwise I can't teach a beginner. There's no point in coming with me. Um, that doesn't mean they can't go on to TFs because, during track events, the expectation is it's a different caliber of drivers. It's a better caliber of drivers. That doesn't mean you, can, you just pass like you're racing. You still approach them and watch them. But with track experience, you can kind of learn, okay, this guy's doing this so I can probably get by. So it's a, just a little bit higher level of driving and safer assuming everybody has a certain level of track experience. That was, that was very different because, yeah, the first, first day we did was the TF the, the biggest thing for me was, you know, there's motorcycles out there. And that was, that was scary because it's just, they're so vulnerable and exposed and they're freaked out and their mirrors are shaking and you don't have no idea if they can, <laughs> right? Just like, can you see me? I don't know what's happening right now. And then they'll just cut no. right in front of you because they have to lean and they yeah. have a very different technique. And it was scary. I was just like, I don't, I wasn't super comfy being around that. Is that the one thing you weren't prepared for? I, I was mean? not, pre- like I knew it was going to happen, yeah. but I had no idea what that actually meant. And when you're out there going like, like you were saying, like going hundred something into the foxhole and there's, and there's literally a bike right there. You're like, I don't know how this is going to go, you know? And so you back off obviously, but it's just, it's still scary and kind of unnerving. And then you just have total, like the videos we all see on YouTube from, from the area that you were talking about, like people are trying to drift corners and they're just not really paying attention, you know? So it's, it's a different vibe. And then the next day was with the actual track group. And that's like, you know, cars like we have here, uh, a lot of Ferraris and just crazy stuff. There's kind of like a car show in the staging area that's going on. And then also also a lot of race cars. So it's just a very different vibe. And then you are the one that really needs to be uh, kind of on guard because these cars come up super quick. And they, I, I, I've noticed this with, with mountain biking over in Europe as well. It's like just the vibes are very different. It's There's no, the courtesy is different. I guess we'll say it's like everyone's expecting you to, 
get out of the way and they're not going to go offline. And here it's kind of the opposite where it's like, well, if you're going to pass someone, you know, you need to go off of line. Um, there it's, it, it seemed opposite. So I was just very much like learning a new track, scared. And then I've got race cars coming in hot that I have to be paying attention to. So it's a lot. You're processing a lot at once. They cut down on the noise ordinance there too, right? You, you get kicked off the track if you're too loud. No, no. Oh, no, not yet. That's oh. just give, don't give him any ideas. No. Off. Yeah, okay, yeah. Good. It's bad enough no. for Laguna Seca. Let's yeah, leave the I mean, have to imagine. <laughs> so that's where I was kind of yeah. going with that. Yeah. Uh. This is a huge money making venture. I mean, the guy yeah. who owns this, um, it's, it's privately owned. And between, imagine hundreds of cars going through turnstiles every hour, spending 32, I think it's 32 or 34 euros every time. And then the industry has got to be paying incredible bucks. I mean, to rent that track, I believe, is something like 100,000 euros a day, I think. Wow. Um, Dang. You know, so if you're going to do a track event, you have to really get a lot of people on track. Fair. So, um, you know, this is a money-making venture. And, you know, you, it, it's, it's hard to imagine any place that would open a track up to anyone, let alone the most challenging track in the world. That's the Nurburgring. Yeah, you so, couldn't get away with that here no, anymore. Not a no. chance. There's no. too many attorneys. No. Yeah. So, yeah. Curtis, I was going to ask you a question real quick. If you guys, thanks for passing the headset back and forth. Yeah. I appreciate that, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> if somebody came to you at Proformance, which is an Avant's partner, by the way, um, and they said, I want to go right drive the Nurburgring, what are you going to tell them? I mean, I know you haven't been there yet, but I mean, obviously you've been instructing for a long time. You know what you're doing. What do you, how would you prep somebody differently for an experience like that? You know, going through this process, I would, even prior to this, I would tell somebody that preparation is key. Um, mental preparation. Uh, we have the advent now of, of, of sim. It used to be video game consoles that weren't really that great, although it was still kind of a, at least you could see uh, a track. But now it's just absolute preparation. There's just no, you know, people... Even just coming to Pacific Raceways, I've been driving there since 1996. Um, there still isn't a day there that I don't go by that I haven't learned something about that track. Um, corner entries, corner exit, where you can go in, what kind of car likes this, what kind of car likes that, where should, where's the optimum location. So it's it, it, the environment is constantly changing. So you can do all the preparation. You can do all the sim time. You can do everything that you possibly can uh, mentally and physically. But when you're there on the track, what are the conditions? You know, the, the, the problem with the Nürburgring is it could be sunny in the southern side and snowing on the northern side, and you won't know that until yeah. there's waving flags or you're in the situation. Somebody could lay down a quarter mile of oil coming out of a corner. So it's, it's not just preparation to drive the track, but it's preparation to deal with every situation that's coming at you. And we try to teach that at the racetrack. We try to teach people how to deal with like what Aaron was talking about. So if somebody has to pull offline, it's your responsibility to take control of that situation. If you see a guy coming up behind you that's fast, it, it's really your responsibility to, to, to move out of the way to give them the point so they can actually get by you and, and get going. Um, so that's just a courtesy thing. But in, in, you know, I've never driven in Europe, so I don't know all those things. And so it'll be interesting to learn and see what it's all about. Obviously, I've watched enough videos. I've watched Tom's video. I've watched many, many. Actually, a good friend of mine, Ted Jr., was over there just recently. And I watched his video uh, for about an hour. Um, and it's, I don't know how long the video was. I couldn't tell you, but I watched it for about an hour. And his commentary inside the, inside the car was like, this thing is rad. And it's a Hyundai. <laughs> it's a Hyundai i30N. It's, it's a car that most of us in this room probably wouldn't 
even want to rent at the rental car agency at an airport, but it's a car that you can be in at the racetrack and it's prepped for the racetrack. Tires, brakes, fluid, lines, all, all the stuff that you need to have a car that, that's drivable. The, the N stands for Nürburgring. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Um, yeah, Hyundai and other parts of the world are very lucky. They, they get some spicier vehicles. They actually care about their buying market uh, over here in the U.S. It's like, well, but now they're starting to get more and more over it, which yeah. is kind of good. Hyundai's we're coming start, we're They've been coming up for a long time. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. they're starting to make some changes, to which is good. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, the preparation part, mental, and 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 for me, I've, I've had a chance to drive many tracks over the years, um, much of everything down the West Coast and some things across the country, not necessarily in competition, but for work. Um, and I still have to kind of prep to go to a, a track even if I'm just leading something that's very slow or if I'm just uh, taking people to one side of the racetrack to we're going to teach them how to do something you know leading into a section so um, yeah the preparation never stops and that's the thing um, as many times as he's been around the track I can guarantee you that the weeks leading up to and the flight going over and the morning waking up from the hotel th- there's one thing on this man's mind and and it, it, I even get chills just even thinking about it. Standing here, I was like, "Should we talk about it on the show?" Or yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. now, but scooting but, away from him on the couch. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I, I kind of I never really say this too often, but I think it to myself that if you're not nervous getting into a car, going on yeah. a track, you need to like stop what you're doing. Yeah. You need to you need to like take a deep breath and go, I'm about to get under a racetrack. And if you haven't mentally prepared and physically prepared and physical preparedness is, you know, watch what you eat and drink the night before. Uh, The mental preparedness is, 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 did you study what you needed to study from the notes that you had from the last time, if you even took notes? And so um, there's, there's so much that goes into this that, that makes a difference. We try to, we preach that consistently at the racetrack. Uh, there's not a time that you could come to the racetrack and either have me or any one of the great instructors we have at performance that we're not going to preach that preparation. Uh, and and the expectation is if you're going to a racetrack, and, and granted, the longest racetrack in the U.S. is, uh, I think, Watkins Glen, or no, Road America's four miles, four miles in length, um, that if you're there for a coaching day that you shouldn't figure out where turn one is, and where the last corner is coming on in the front straightaway. If you don't know where the rest of that is in the middle, then you need to take some time and figure that stuff out because obviously safety is, safety is key. Uh, everybody on the track that's behind you is trying to figure out why you're not where you should be <laughs> uh, in, in certain instances, right? So, yeah. Aaron, what, what did you find helped you the most when you got to the track? You're like, thank God I did this when I got there. Yeah, you know, the, the thing that, was, that stood out the most was, uh, I think, Tom had mentioned this kind of in like the first like all right guys first day here like what's to what to be what's to expect um, or to be expected so the the thing for me was I don't know ninety percent of the corners are late 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 turn in mm. and when you're when you're when you're out there driving you're looking at it and you're like oh yeah I should turn in but they, they're so long a lot of these are so long and swooping and blind you can't really tell what the exits light or what what where the apex actually is and so with my coach you know I was working on that and you're just you're just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and you're looking and you're seeing like if it's a right-hand corner, you're seeing like, okay, starting to see the corner open up. You turn in so much later than you would. It, I've never experienced anything like that, I guess, is what huh. I'm getting at. It's like even even somewhere at the ridge where there's a lot of kind of swooping, kind of decrease decreasing radius corners um, where a lot of those you kind of want to hang out before you you drop back in. Um, totally different than that even. So that was a really eye-opening experience for me. And it took so much discipline because – you, especially when you're nervous and you're wanting to go fast. And that, that was, uh, I'll talk about that in a second of kind of letting the ego go. 
Um, your intuition is to just get it done. Let's get the corner over with. Um, but that was not going to work there at all. Like it just doesn't work. Um, so that, that was really interesting. Um, I think just the flow of the track is something I still have dreams about, honestly, as, as strange as that sounds. Uh, I've never experienced anything like that where you're literally just kind of guiding this car through. There's a lot of places here I've driven where you're forcing the car through or it's less flowy, I guess is what I'm getting at. Um, this is you're you're really just kind of dancing the car around. And when things start to connect, uh, it doesn't feel like you're even touching the gas. I mean, you are, but you're really just kind of guiding this car around. And the use of the brake is completely different than anything I've experienced as well. Uh, typically, just g generally speaking, there's, you know, coming off of a straight, you're going to come into a pretty tight corner, like at the Ridge or uh, Pacific as well. You do turn one, drop down into turn two. You're getting on the brakes super hard. You're going 160 miles an hour at the end of the straightaway Pacific. You're getting threshold braking. ABS is engaging. Um, you're really getting the car up on its up, up, up on its toes so you can then rotate it and then get back on gas and, and get the traction out of the corner. There, though, um, very few corners like that, like maybe two or three, where you're really just like full engaging of the brakes. And so when I went there, I'm like, doing what I would normally do here. I'm coming in hot into a corner and then the car's all over the place. The coach is like, hey, why are you doing that? <laughs> and I had to think about it. I'm like, well, you know, I want to like make sure I'm maximizing. He's like, no, no, I don't no, want to no. die. Yeah, he's like, please no. don't. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to throw up. What are you doing? <laughs> so I, uh, so, so that was a huge adjustment for me. And it really took me two days to even wrap my head around that concept. And of course, then we go to another track like Spa, which is more traditional, a lot of threshold uh, breaking on that track. So then I had to back basically unlearn everything that I had just learned. Um, so that was very... Very eye-opening as well, um, just in terms of the prep. Um, and going back to kind of letting the letting my ego go, you know, I, I had been working hard here on some tracks like Pacific. I had a, a goal of a lap time I wanted to achieve. And, and going back to my mountain biking days, it's all about visualization. Like if I was at a track, I would walk it and then just do kind of a like a discovery ride down the hill where you're going slow and just kind of taking it all in. And then you start to carry speed and, 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 and uh, get used to the track. But what I would do then before the race is I'd go home at night and I would close my eyes and visualize it and I would time myself. And I was usually within a second of what my actual time was be, would, would actually end up being. Um, that was really helpful. And then I started to kind of convert that same thinking here to tracks like a Pacific. I could close my eyes and visualize it. And, and it really was helpful. Um, so I went there and I'm like, oh, no problem. This is going to be an easy one. I'm going to immediately like come in and really have this track down. Um, and I didn't, and it really, it really set me back where I had to just put the ego aside. I had, you know, lap time goals in my head. I had to throw you it all You took a away. lap timer out, didn't you? Uh, hell yeah, I do a rented one. Yeah, I had the, uh, I had the Garmin, uh, the, the Catalyst. Good for you, yeah, yeah. But under some recommendation is just like, turn that off. Let's just use it as a camera so you can like go back and look at your footage. Um, so that was, that was really a big one. And I really had to like take some time and sort of meditate on it midday where I was really feeling discouraged and frustrated. Um, and I had to just go, go off on my own, take a walk and, and kind of like regroup myself. Um, and then get back in the car with a completely different mindset of just like get out there and just absorb it and see what happens. And there's no expectation of times or anything like that. And, th and then the second day was completely different. I had a blast. You humbled yourself. That's I good. I humbled myself. That's yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> big time. Yeah. Good. Big time. Well, uh, this is about the time where uh, those of you listening to the podcast are getting cut off because we're going to turn this over to the audience where you should be because this was an open advance event if you didn't catch that. Yeah. Uh, so thank you all for listening. Thank and you, everybody. Thank you for being on the panel today, everybody. Absolutely. Uh, we'll move Pleasure. to questions. So for this episode of the Avance Podcast, I'm Dan. I'm Nick. And don't just get there. Enjoy the drive.